Welcome back for episode 16 of the Dime Boxing with Delco podcast. I'm Alex uh, Delco Rips. I'm joined with Dimes, my co-host. Say what's up, Dimes. Oh man, happy to be here today. Got to talk about the Brotherly Love Card Show. Had a great show there on Sunday. Um, definitely did a lot of deals with people. Busy show. Like I remember being slammed at like 11, middle of the show, which was perfect. Um, congrats to Delco on uh, putting together another great show. Um, what are your, I mean, what are your thoughts on it? I know I saw it look like also that you were set up, you had your own table as well. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I didn't attend. I wasn't, at, I wasn't that diligent at standing behind my table. And admittedly, I feel like my, I kind of always feel like this, but I feel like my inventory kind of stinks right now. So I still did a decent amount of deals um, on, on a few things and was happy uh, to move move a couple things and get get a couple dollars in my pocket um but yeah overall like reaction to the show was I, I think it went super well uh we scaled up we doubled the show um you know in general like I, one thing about sports card vendors and I hope I'm not offending anybody but they'll 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 tell you like if it was terrible right like you know every yeah they're, they're people are very honest in this hobby and uh, I heard a lot more praise. Uh, there was a couple fee- pieces of feedback from vendors that the show could have been a little longer, um, which we'll take into consideration in the future, and uh, you know maybe maybe extend it out to three or four. And you know other than that, I think you know ultimately uh, Frank and I's goal is to stay at our current size show around that uh, 100 table mark, 110 table mark, and then. But just grow the footprint of it, get more people in the door, um, like, you know, maybe extend the hours out and, you know, invest uh, in advertising and and grow it that way. Um, so, you know, big things to come, like for the people that attended, I think the next one will be better and the consistency of hopefully uh, it being at the same place. Uh, if we can, if Frank and I can get that locked down, uh, fingers crossed, then um then that's what we'll do and and, you know that's kind of the plan for it but I was I was overall happy and pleased with it um these types of things you know kind of no news is decent news and good news I think yeah we had 600 people and enter the door so we grew the show um by 50 percent around um in terms of attendance so that was really good um and you know, I think, you know, for, for doubling the show or over doubling the show in terms of vendors, I think for the most part, vendors made money and did well and had plenty of people to do deals with um, and patrons and stuff like that. So we're going to try to grow it, though, and we're not satisfied. And yeah, that's my take on the show. But I'd love to hear what, uh, you know, what, what types what some deals you did. Um, and I, I have some deals I did, I'll, I'll say after, but yeah, some deals you did and kind of how the show went for you as a, as a vendor. And I saw you walking around a lot. So as a patron too. Yeah. I, I try to walk around a decent bit. Like that's one thing that I end up not doing as much, but the nice thing about not setting up by yourself is like having people like I, you know, I set up with Nick and Joe so I could just tell them like, Hey, I'll be back in a little bit. And like, we kind of did a good job of like taking turns, like someone would walk, someone would t- stay at the table. And like the good thing about that is like, people can still buy stuff from me when they're there. You know, like I would have a lot of times where I'd come back to the table and they would hand me a couple bucks because like dollar bin cards sold. 
and stuff like that. So like, I feel like that's like a big part of a show, like being able to have your stuff set up and make sales. I mean, obviously you're not going to sell big cards when you're not at the table. You're not going to be able to make trades with people when you're at the table, but like walking around and just being able to buy um, was, was pretty good. I mean, I, I was able to buy some stuff. Um, trying to think about like trades I made. It was honestly, you know what the best selling stuff is? And, and like I told you this too, especially it shows like that is like cheaper slabs dollar cards and even like five dollar raw cards like people were just paying full sticker on that pretty easily um which was good to see i mean i sold a lot of stuff like that i did make one decently uh decent trade cooper cup uh prison purple psa 10 something i had sent to grading did a trade with the kid i did have one deal that uh Went into I told you before I'd bring it up briefly. I don't even know the person's name. Not going to mention their name. Just curious, like your opinion. So towards the end of the show, and I agree with you about extending the hours actually, because one thing I noticed was like it was tough to get out of there on time because people were walking around. Like I feel like at a lot of shows at the end of the show, you'll see the dealers walk around and start to buy. Right. I think at the show this past Sunday, I saw a lot of like just guests in there, patrons, whatever you want to call them, just in there walking around, still trying to buy. There weren't as many people trying to sell, which is kind of a good sign. You know, um, I feel like at some other shows, it's been like, oh, like I'm just trying to sell all this. You'll see some junk, whatever. But it, it seemed like people, like there were even people, which was interesting. I'd be like, oh, are you looking to sell that? And they'd be like, actually, I'm looking to trade. And like to me, that was interesting. I think a lot of the time when people do that, it's to get out of a card that they're down on, which I think is a good idea. If you're like, hey, why don't I trade down on this and do the work of maybe grading some stuff or moving some cheaper stuff instead of just taking a cash loss? And that was interesting to hear people say. And I actually asked one guy just out of curiosity. I was like, hey, I'm just curious. Like, why are you looking to trade and not sell? Like, I'm just, you know, if I were to pay you cash for this card, you could go buy the card that you're looking for. You know, and he was like, and he told me that reason. He's like, well, I'm looking to trade down on this. Um, I, I like asking people questions. You get full like value too. Like who, who what, right. what dealer is paying 100%? But in a trade, now people don't, the dealers don't always want to pay 100% in a trade. Um, but if I think as long as you add cash, you usually can get them to, to do 100% um, on most things. Uh, you know, they don't need to have like, perf if they're willing to just move their asset and then add cash. So yeah, that's interesting to hear all that. Um, yeah, I mean, I agree. Yeah, we was we uh, somebody that folded up and moved across the room, uh, all hundred and nine tables with my wife and Frank. Uh, you know, we we it was tough to get out of there, and there was dealers like literally still doing deals at like two fifty. Uh, oh, and that's it was, brutal. Yeah, so it was tough, but which is fine um but you know it was 250 like, that, that that took an hour after but that yeah. shows you though that the show really could go an extra hour or two. it could have went longer you... i agree i think it's kind of like uh yeah that that was the feedback i got i i heard uh from a few people um i think the idea we did it the first time like it made a lot more sense because it was in the before the nfl playoffs and the game started at three so that's like a whole thing but yeah we'll we'll work on that that's an easy fix actually um but yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy with how it went. I was like pretty at one moment, like saw like the show buzzing and kind of had a moment like, man, this is like a thing that like 
exists outside of me. Like it has nothing to do with me and Frank anymore. It's like the Brother Love Card Show is an event that like needed to happen. Like it's not like something we made happen. We're not like tricking anybody. This is like true, like a hundred and like a nine dealers needed to be there and wanted to have an outlet in South Jersey and 600 people that didn't just come in and out. They weren't like in there like a card shop. They were there for hours and stayed and bought and had, you know, and kind of had a good time. And it was just like, man, this is cool. Like, I'm really happy. Me and Frank did this and like, it's a whole thing outside of me and him and we're just going to keep it going. But like, I don't know. It's just cool that it, it happened. And I'm happy that me and Frank saw that and just did it because it like could have just stayed as an idea and something we talked about. Um, but to pull the trigger and then see it come to fruition and grow has been really cool. That's a good point because I, you know, I've thought about in the past shows, whatever. A lot of people I talk to who thought about shows their thing is like, I'm just scared of flopping. Cause like my thought would be this, like I could get, I could convince a decent amount of people to get tables at my show. I would have no idea how to get people walking in through the door to go buy stuff from those tables. So I feel like, like that would be my fear. Like I could see myself setting up like a show, set up this big show, got a bunch of vendors, like show starts and people start being like, yo, dimes, it's like 1130. Like, is anybody coming through? And I'd be like, no yeah, guys, just, just start looking at each other's stuff. Like just start That's the truth. amongst each other. I like that you're saying that because to me, that's what I like when I'm before the show, the night before, what I'm, what am I anxious <laughs> about? I'm anxious about and worried about, are the dealers going to make enough money? I don't know why, because that's when I'm a dealer, that's how I judge the success or failure of the show. It's, did I make money? Did I make sales? Was there enough people in the room? Like, I know my inventory is good or bad. Like, you know, did I do well? Um, so I, that I'm totally on board with it. And that's what we're, I'm focused on. And we're definitely focused on that, especially that we're going to stay at the same size. I think it kind of fish shifts our focus a little bit on, all right, how do we like, you know, sell our tables. And now we're like, well, if we stay at the same size, it's quite easy to sell your tables. A lot of, a lot of people re, re up. Um, and then, you know, it's basically like all of our energy can go, and time can go into getting more people in the door, which we can definitely do. So, yeah, that's 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 the focus. That's what we're going to be working that's, on. That's... And I'm excited to announce the next date. We'll work on it. Ooh. Oh, you don't. OK, you're not going to announce it tonight. No, we don't have it. We don't have a next date locked in yet, actually. So we're oh. still we're still negotiating with the congregation. Um, <laughs> I feel like I'm more connected with the the, the Jewish people uh, after this. I, I'm not even kidding. I really I really do. I've learned a lot. Um, and we didn't have, uh, no vendors kind of, you know, violated the, uh, the no meat policy, Ooh. uh, at least officially on the record, mm. but I, I would talk to Mez about his oh. breakfast sandwich that he accidentally bit into. <laughs> but Yeah. Especially someone like Mez who I would expect, and I'm not going to say any reasons why I would expect better. I would expect, I mean, come on, look, look, look what we're doing with it. I would expect better. I mean, this is a, a, a twin of mine in a way, I would say. <laughs> and hey, if you ever need any help in the negotiations, call up me and Mezzi. We'll go in there. Me, Mezzi, Jason, get us all in there. Next time I buy a car, that's going to be my squad. It's going to be <laughs> you and Mez. <laughs> These are my associates. 
then I'm going to get the best deal of my life. Just pick us up eight hours later. You'll get the best deal on a car. Drop us off. Pick us up eight hours later. We'll be walking out with all the free water bottles and coffees. But, but then it's, that, that's honestly interesting that you're going back to the venue. So I know, you know, first one was at a different venue. You switched it to this one. And then I guess you're thinking this might be the one to stay. I mean, I would love if you guys did like a once a month thing there. I'm not even kidding you. I will absolutely take a table every single month like that. I, I think it, it's a good show. It was busy. People were doing deals. Like I, it was nice. So my thing on frequency uh, is I think you can always go more, but if you start at less frequent and work your way up, I think that's the right way to go. So because if you burn a show out, people won't come back. So that's my biggest thing. Like, I don't want to cash cow the show and then ruin its reputation. So I think that's super important to us and kind of like setting the marketing hype, like over a few months is important to generate enough people uh, that can lock it into their calendars and make sure they're there. And, um, you know, I, I, I I, so that's kind of the thought on it. I, I like the idea. I wish every month, I mean, if we could do it every month, that would be really cool. Um, but I think our goal is quarterly. Keep it at that. Uh, you know, grow the attendance and then uh, go from there. Yeah, that, that's, I, I mean, I would like it to be more than quarterly in, in all honesty, if I could. I could impose an opinion. No, I mean, I get it. I know you're not. I love it though, because it proves my original point of even doing the show is that the area needs frequency. So I'm not ruling it out. I just think that, you know, uh, you know, it's a lot of things to consider. We actually probably, we don't even know how frequently we can get the, uh, the location, but yeah, I love the location for the show. I thought it was like from like a show promoter standpoint, it was a big room, well lit. Uh, temperature was nice as soon as they closed the doors and uh, you know they had a security guard I mean it was all like I don't know it's very nice I think everything was nice about it um, and it, you know it was big enough for us and I, it wasn't as cramped as the uh, as the golf course one um, as Ramblewood so that you know it was good yeah I think I think I agree with that. I mean, I wish I do understand the point though. Like you said, like you, your wife and Frank, like folding up, like every, all those tables, like that must be like, that must be like your Super Bowl, dude. Like you're going to sleep at like six o'clock the night before. Like you're just, you're dreaming about the show. You're having, you're having nightmares about some dude coming in and just, or the security guard just being an absolute goon and just wrecking everybody's table. Like I can only imagine like, that's a nerve wracking thing. Like that really is like, it happens four times a year. Like that's your biggest, I mean, card wise outside of your card job. I mean, like in, in card show type of things, I mean, that's your days of the year. Like that's, that's a big thing. I, I, what do you do after? What, what's your thought? As soon as it's over, are you, what, what's your post game for the brotherly love show? Well, you know, I go to trade night for a minute. I, I can't stay very long though. Cause I am fried. So like, yeah, like the, the, the physical workout of moving the tables and then running the show all day, you know, it was like a three 30 wake up call for me for the show day. So I go to trade night. I ripped a pack of prism basketball, got a centered Chet, uh, Ruby wave. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Can't you can't beat that from Santiago too? 
Hell yeah. And uh, grabbed a box of Stadium Club Chrome, which is actually growing on me as my like one of my favorite baseball sets. Super awesome product. Um, didn't get shit, but it was like fun to rip. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, that's what I did. And then I went home like we I, I, I peeled out of there. Irish goodbye, Frank. And then I like I just <laughs> I, I just went I went I went I drove home and got some dinner and then that was it man I went I went to bed early and and just tried to recover the next day but yeah it's totally right like it is my Super Bowl it's a huge deal for me like it matters it matters a ton to me and Frank the success of it and like you know thanks for you being a part of it and thanks for everybody that you know listened that came and we're just going to try to keep doing it, doing a good job and supporting the local car community. And I don't know, that's all you can do. Right. I mean, it's like, a, it's beyond me and Frank. Now all we can do is just try to keep the brother love car show going and getting better. The Irish goodbye is amazing. Uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm I mean, the king. I'm of a the huge Irish fan. I t- I'll tell you like my opinion, like I, I did it. I'll tell you what, one thing sticks out to me my long time ago at a work party. I'm there with a friend who I'd gone with and I'm like, yo, time to leave. And this person, he starts going up to like every single person. I'm like, I can't do this. You can't say it's the end of the day. You just want to get home. And I Irish goodbye. I went, waited at the car, you know, I understood. But and people are so shocked. It's like, it, it, why do I think I, the, I hate the whole, you got to walk around the whole room and dap up every single person, whether you, even people you barely know, dap them up, say goodbye. Oh, they're so worried that you'll get home safe. You barely know them. You got to say goodbye. They're going to be so worried if they don't see you. I, I I, hate having to say goodbye to every single person. You know what? I, I knew we small, did this podcast together for a reason. because If I, it's a small <laughs> gathering, if it's a small gathering and you just met someone, I'm completely fine with, hey, it was nice meeting you. But like that whole thing where it's like your boy, his boys are there. Your friend's friends are there. And then it's like, you got to tap up your friends' friends and try to come up with something to say. Oh, good meeting you. Good seeing you. Thanks. And then they go, Whatever. you're leaving? Oh, you, oh if anyone hits me with the, if you hit me with the you're leaving, I'll smile at you in the moment, but I'll be looking for revenge in the near future because that's one of the most cringy things. When you're just trying to get out of somewhere, you're leaving? Yeah, I'm leaving. And I know you don't care. You're just saying that to say it. I really should have just left without even say it's not even to mess with you it's like it, it just it's like oh man i can't believe oh, uh, it, it's unbelievable I'll the truth you. of the irish goodbye is that it's like it goes back to like like people aren't thinking about you like you think and when yes you just, when you just get in the car and go home just go nobody home. misses you they don't and it doesn't even yeah. matter if they did you know like you never have to deal with it again it's gone the goodbye is unsaid. You've left. I completely agree. I think there's nothing more satisfying than dipping out of a social event, saying a word that nobody, leaving the, through the Absolutely. front door, getting in your car silently and driving home, and you don't hear from anybody, and then you just see each other at the next event, and it's never said. It's just understood. You went home. You went home. They're not – that's it. You know what? That's a good point. I think it plays more so into the ego of the person that's leaving who's like, yes. I have to say bye to everyone. They'll, like they'll this, be so upset with 
with me because they need they needed a goodbye from right. me like it they ma- it, of course they would need that right you being there as a complete stranger or near complete stranger or just a relatively friendly person you being there was so important to them and their day you need to let them know when you're being there ends when you leave it, it's unbelievable i I've thought about this before a lot of times, really, because I look, I'm, I'm, you know, and I'd say I'm more a little bit more on the awkward side when it comes to social interactions. But, I, you know, so it's like the hellos, goodbyes maybe aren't the strongest suit, but it's (laughs) and then it's like you're forcing these. No, the hello. Nice to meet you. That's great. And I agree. Like, I'm a big fan of if it's a small guy and you really did meet someone who you actually talked to, then nice to meet you is great. It really should happen. But the Irish goodbye. Oh, and you Irish goodbye, Frank. That was amazing. Now, did he, what was his reaction? Did he not sleep that night? Or was he able to move on and survive? See, this is, this is a great sign with Frank. He never mentioned it. Never mentioned it. And that's what you guy. want from the Irish goodbye. You don't want him to text you and say, did you leave? Well, yeah, I left. What do you think? Yeah. So he never mentioned it. We just started talking business through our next text. You know, it was fine because... I, you know, we had seen each other all day. You know, he was ripping WWE Prism, and I was like, "All right, like that's it for me, Frank." And then I left. <laughs> <laughs> Frank touches the WWE Prism. We leave. <laughs> he ripped it. He he ripped like six packs, and then he's like, went to another place and was doing some more of it. I was like, I don't know. He was he was going. Out. He was bar hopping WWE Prism. He was yeah. shop hopping. Santiago too. That 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 trade night. I mean, there's not a ton of trading of cards going on, but they're really. It's kind of just like a pack war. Like everybody is like surrounding it, and they have like all the hobby packs like broken out, like a ton of them, a lot of open boxes, which is really cool. And everyone just kind of like watches each other rip hobby packs of like random stuff. And it was, I was kind of fun. I was digging it. Uh, Alex Rucci from uh, Carter the Day One gave me a uh, penny sleeve and top loader for my chat uh it's which was clutch. really really nice of him because i was like man this is centered i gotta grade this and he's like you want a penny sleeve or top loader though hell yeah but speaking of that we gotta we gotta get back to our sports card podcast reel it <laughs> back in here um monopoly prism kind of taking over the retail market uh been a really big buzz there's been all sorts of one-on-ones hit I mean, I already know what you're going to say to this, but what do you think about Monopoly Prism? <laughs> I think, Are you a buyer I'll tell, you what, I, I'll tell you what I want. I don't want it to stop at Monopoly Prism. Every single Delco, tell me growing up your three favorite board games. Come up with them. Oh, you got man. 30 seconds. All right, Monopoly, definitely okay. on there. Uh, life. Okay. And operation. Okay. I want them to come up with life and operation prism too. I don't think it should stop here. Just keep printing. If people are going to keep buying it, just keep printing. Great for Panini. This is incredible. Monopoly prism. This is better than when they put prism black in Chronicles. This is like, I'm, you know what? They're driving themselves into the ground is what they're doing. That's what I think. I don't, you know what, in a way, if it's selling, it's selling. I guess it's good if people are making money on it, but then you got to think that people are going to lose money on it. Who, I mean, some of these cards, let me try to pull up some sales. So I at first was like, this is a cool thing, like some cheap cards. I thought maybe they were putting them in with like Happy Meals. I don't know. And then you find out it's like real 
you know, this well, is... but the thing that's bothering me about it, okay, and I think is potentially detrimental to the modern card market in general is that they put like black one of ones in the Monopoly. Like, there's the whole color run. So, like, huh. now the money, the pie is split between two cards, right? It's not, yeah. you can't just not do that, right? So, like, is there going to be this, like, exception for, like, post-2023 Prism that, like, oh, that was the year the Monopoly Prism was introduced. And, like, right. you can expect all the Black 101s to be 25% less than you might think for the previous years. No, that's not what happens. The whole thing just goes down. And they don't think about that. And that's what happened with Select when they introduced retail. The whole brand tanked. So... I, I, this kind of goes back to my Topps Chrome obsession and like trying to just ride fanatics into the sun, into, you know, because I just feel like Panini is not good. And it's definitely would scare me as like, you know, just the, the, the general consensus is like, you know, big basketball prospect, a uh, color match, PSA 10, you know, prism blue, 10 grand. You know, like that's like all the time that happens, right? Like, and like that could just change, you know, like that car could be $800. Like, I just, I just don't think that people understand how fragile that shit is. And, and I think Panini is kind of playing with fire with the Monopoly thing. I think it's awesome that people in a retail environment can for very cheap hit a great card. I just don't think it's awesome to reintroduce a whole rainbow. I think they should have done it way more limited. And I worry about, yeah, like all of the different parallels and big modern cards being affected by it. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of it. I mean, it, you you hit it pretty much right on the nail, right? If there's true one-on-ones in this, it's like, well, then I think that has to detract from the true one-on-one of actual prism. It's, it's like, there's so much junk now, like, and when I saw Fast Break, I was like, that's cool. The discos, the number stuff. But then you're like, we got Fast Break. We got Monopoly. We got Retail. There's Prism Choice, the Asia Edition. There's, you got all this different the stuff. The Lucky it's Envelope. Like, oh, the Lucky Envelopes. Oh, oh my God. They just, you know, it's just, I, I can't believe it. it. There's some, and then, you know, they didn't used to have Prism Draft Picks for basketball. That's a thing now. Is there going to be Prism Monopoly Draft Picks? I'd like, <laughs> I'm going to write a letter to Panini and say, I love Prism Monopoly. I want Prism Monopoly Draft Picks. I want Prism Monopoly WNBA. And I want Prism Monopoly Draft Picks for WNBA. I will say this, just speaking on WNBA, because I think that these cards, when they got the girls who are very popular right now with the NCAA tournament, like, I actually think that's kind of going to, like, I think that's going to be cool. No, I'm not joking at all. But like, I think being able to collect the athletes who were involved in, like, this crazy season, because, like, I'll be honest, I think the women's tournament seemed to get more buzz than the men's. Like, I was well, well Caitlin Clark is some of that a, stuff. Freaking Hooper. I mean, she's objectively awesome. Like, I, I don't. The women's game has almost never seen a player like Caitlin Clark. So I think it's a new thing, like to even have also like like a lot. I, I thought I saw like the draft class next for next after next year. It was like Angel Reese, Caitlin Clark, uh 
and there was a couple of, there was like two other uh, women that are like really well known. I'm like blanket on their names right now, but I, I, I don't know. I agree. I agree with you. I think, I think that being able to collect those cards in college is still cool. Um, especially if you can get some super rare stuff and like sell it uh, kind of in the tournament, like for the buzz, but Caitlin Clark opens the door for that kind of like, who knows, like her prism one of one, like from Monopoly or regular Prism? Yeah. Well, they have. You're right. Panini hasn't yet released the WNBA Prism Monopoly, but it's coming soon. But I'd say, but like, but seriously though, because the 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 off years of WNBA is like a 199 hobby box, right? Like, doesn't that sound like more appealing? Like with the potential of a gold rookie Caitlin Clark, like I would rip that maybe. Like I don't know. So. I think that's kind of intriguing and maybe the the WNBA kind of in the hobby is going to be on the up and up because of right. her. Imagine like you have a prospect like that, like the hype behind that. I think that could bring up some of the other better players. And like that stuff is cheap. You're right for hobby. But so my thinking is they got to come out. If I'm not able to get a Caitlin Clark prison monopoly, true gold at a 10 out of a blaster, I will be very unhappy with Panini. I'd like to say that right now. If anybody from Panini is listening and you haven't been taken yet to work at Fanatics, if you're still a Panini employee, you haven't been poached That's yet. That's a great segue. Like, well, what do you think about that? So Fanatics poaching a bunch of Panini employees and then getting sued for that, for actually poaching those employees by Panini. I mean, I don't really, obviously didn't read that much into it, but something about trade secrets. I don't know what the heck these people would know about the, the hobby or like, I guess maybe yeah. they know agents. It was like agent contacts and like a bunch of bullshit. Like who cares who people it's like LinkedIn connects everybody anyway, but I don't know that much about it, but it's kind of wild. What, what were your take on it? I'll tell you what, based on what we've seen from Panini recently with quality control and getting things out on time, right? Getting things out on time is a big one. We just had prison football come out after the Super Bowl. So think about how nice and dimpled up these cards have been scratched. The products, we products, main products are all releasing after the season. That's a disaster. You got printing absolute greed. We're now making prison monopoly. I mean, are these the people that they're poaching? You know, what? like, I don't know, maybe, I'm looking too big picture. Maybe these people just have good ideas with technology, with cards and stuff like that. But like, think about what's going on at Panini. If they're poaching these people and they just want to continue the same model, you know, it'd be nice to get a good product while the season's still going on. So I think that's concerning. I think the nice refreshing thing about Fanatics is like some of those negatives or those negatives should be gone. New company. And then it's like new company. They are getting sued for hiring all the same people. True. I, I agree with you. I think the disconnect with Panini is that they're in a, like, the, I'm pretty sure it's, you know, an overseas based company, right? That has like this US division that manages these licenses and stuff. And like, I don't know how much is in everyone's control or isn't, you know, like, can they actually control all these release dates or is it just like, we got no choice but to do this. Like, I, I feel like that's a lot of their decisions are like more like chosen for them. But you're, I mean, the, the, you know, I don't know if they hired the guys that came up at Prism Monopoly. And like, I think if you worked at Panini, you might be like, man, this is making us a ton of money and this is great. And like, I don't get why people would be so upset with it. Like, 
you know, Tops does Ben Baller and Sonic and all this other bullshit and for Tops Chrome. So it's like everyone's doing it. But it's like, I, I, you know, yeah, I don't know. So I don't know if that's like, if that's necessarily like a reason not to hire them. I think they just know people like that's what, and Fanatics also just needs people that know cards in general. And Panini has been the king of the card castle for the last, you know, 10 or 12 years in terms of the light, having the key licenses for us sports. So I think that's why they poached some of that talent and, and went after it that way. But um, yeah, kind of a, kind of a goofy story. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, they, I think you were talking about the, 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 pr the products not rolling out quick. Um, definitely not cool. You're, it's you've a, always hated that. <laughs> it's, I think if I'm correct, I was looking on the release calendar. I think, so I was looking on sports, uh, car, cardboard connection. So this is cardboard connections, uh, release calendar. I don't know how often updated this is. Honestly, I don't keep too, too close to track. It's like, once I see something's came out, then I start, you know, really looking for it. So it seems pretty accurate. It is prison monopoly coming out April 16th. That was a couple of days ago. I feel like that's, so April 21st, I need to fact check this. 2021-22, flawless basketball. Is that, so what class is, I'm trying to think, 21? That would be Chet, wouldn't it? Or is that the year prior? No. Oh, no, no, no. no. It's before. Cade. Yeah, that's Cade. Is there, so I need to look up, is there Cade flawless? No, yeah, definitely not. There's only collegiate play, uh, Cade. This is, yeah. this is, so this is Flawless from Cade's rookie year. That's coming out. It hasn't came out yet. That's crazy. That is crazy. What are we doing? These are the people we're poaching? What are we doing? That's unbelievable. That's like if, if a team came out and they were like, they needed a new head coach. They're like, I want the whole staff of the worst team in the league. Bring me <laughs> those guys. I'm poaching those guys. Well, well, okay. One thing they didn't because their board and their big guys are already decided. They didn't poach that level. It was just like I don't know what level employee it was, but it's not like the head Panini guys. It's like some middle management, like whatever, to fill some rosters up. So I would look at it like, you know, I don't know if some team went to if the Texans went to relegation yeah, exactly. and That's like the. Saying. And the Patriots just like grabbed like a random four or five guys from their team. Like it doesn't necessarily mean those guys right. were part of the Texans problem, but yeah, I get your point. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't know about that either, but yeah, I wanted to bring up one thing. This is kind of like uh random, but I feel like this has been like a huge thing I've noticed recently in my collecting. And it kind of came up at the brother love show too, is like, like people that I athletes that I love in video games in sports video games, like have been like influencing my card buys. So I bought like somebody just showed me like some of their cards, uh, and I saw an Alfonso Soriano on card auto, uh, PSA eight from and it's a rookie, um, and I was just like, wow, that's like in 1999 there wasn't a ton of like pack issue rookie autos like that, so. I thought it was cool, looked it up, 
I think the comps are like 57 bucks. So I asked him if he would take 40. He did. And I, I just thought, I was like, why did I buy this? And I'm like, man, I, I just always thought Alfonso Soriano was awesome. And I remember I looked back and I was like, oh, my favorite baseball game that I played a ton of, and it was like, it took over the video game world was MVP baseball, MVP baseball 2004 with Albert Pujols on the cover. And that was like two years after Alfonso Soriano's best season. So it's kind of like his peak, you know, pop culture moment. And I just think like, that's kind of like what I was calling back to as a kid, you know, he was the star, you know, he was like this huge Yankee, you know, power hitter, do it all guy. And, uh, you know, another like player would be like Michael Vick. Like he, you know, he was like a, like, just like a pop culture icon. I had his Jersey as a kid. I love to collect his cards. Um, and you know, that Madden in 2004 was iconic, like with him on the cover. So, um, have you noticed any of that? Do I don't, I don't know if you are a a big video game guy, you're not a big video game guy. But this, I feel like, I feel like other people might relate to my collecting uh, the video game kind of athletes that they remember through the years and how, how that influences, similar to fantasy or whatever. I feel like that is the case because, you know, I think most people in the hobby are, you know, around our age range, at least that are dealing in ultra modern. And I think that you see a lot of these random guys from like the early 2000s, like that people call like, I've seen like Chad Ochocinco, Plaxico Burris. Like there's, I sold the guy Plaxico Burris card one time. It was like a PSA 10, whatever. He told me, message on eBay, collects Plaxico. It was a pop one, blue share, whatever. And like, it's interesting. You see like, and you're right, like Michael Vick, that's a perfect example. And like some, and I've seen it before, you know, Vince Carter, Tracy McGrady. Like, I feel like a lot of these guys are really strong collectors of them because of video games. I, I think it's definitely the case. I draw the comparison a lot to like fantasy football. Like yeah. to me, that's a big one. Like yeah, but like huge. like uh like Ladanian Tomlinson or or yeah. Adrian Peterson, like those were when fantasy football really started ramping up like the late nineties, early two thousands, those were the key players. And like um I actually saw man like the like I was like, I always thought LT was really cheap and all of his cards are so cheap. And if you look up his like 2001 black refractor, they actually go for a pretty penny, like $1,800 for like a non-auto, uh, Whoa. like LaDainian Tomlinson 2001 black refractor tops current. I thought that was really interesting. And I had no clue like that, that his cards that would sell that high um, kind of breaks the traditional convention of like running backs can't be expensive. Um, goes to show you, like, you know, if you number cards and create real scarcity, like, at the end of the day, if you know what you're doing and you're collecting the right stuff and you're collecting rare stuff, it will, like, hold the test of time, you know? Yeah, that's interesting. And, like, something I did lately is, like, I looked at the fantasy football rankings that came out, like, the early PPR rankings, right? Like, to me, it's not even, like, to figure out who's going to have a good year. It's to figure out who guys are going to be, like, in July and August. Like, oh, like, got to buy him. Like, he was first-round pick in fantasy, you know? Like, yeah. and I think that some of those guys that are really, um, really high picks, some of them can have, like, really cheap cards. Like, do you, you think you can guess who's the number one PPR running back for next year? And, I mean, I'm assuming he's going to be number one picks because with running backs, that seems to always be the case in fantasy. I'll give you a hint. Uh, he does oh, not have a true – 
Nope. He does not have a true Prism rookie. That's your hint. He, he was in the league when Prism was already out, but he doesn't even have a Prism rookie because he was such a low-key sleeper. Uh, I don't know. Give it to me. Eckler. He's the number one. He's going to be the number one. Dude has like almost no rookie cards. He is a select rookie, not many others. But like, to me, that's just interesting. It's like, he's the number one pick. Does anybody pay much for Austin Eckler cards? You know, buy some really cheap Austin Eckler cards. See what happens getting closer to the season. That's the type of stuff that like, um, a couple of times that I've done that, like it's actually worked out really well. Like I bought a tie-dye um uh stefan diggs uh prism 2015 prism card like off ebay got a good deal on it and flipped it right at the next like as soon as i put it out of the show bang sold right away like one of the more liquid cards because i feel like people are afraid to kind of inventory running back and and wide receiver stuff and if you kind of you don't see it like you don't see it at shows like all you see is that sometimes some of the stuff and like yeah, you only see like this obsession of low value, low and high population quarterback cards. And it's like, I'd rather, I'd rather their table be like, you know, rare for the same price, rare running back and receiver cards, you know, like that's way cooler to me. Like, you know, like a, for a 300 bucks, you can get a red ice prism, uh, Joe Burrow, or you can get like, you know, a flawless RPA of Devontae Smith to 15. So like, you know, which one I, to me, like I'm taking the Devontae Smith. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that's kind of, that's kind of how I look at it. I, I think, it, I, I feel like uh, if you put those out, uh, if you buy them and take the chance and, and on the, especially that rare stuff that uh, you're actually doing something a little different and people, I, I've always find them to be liquid. All right. So I agree with that a lot. Right. Like you, you got, I think people are also a little bit more willing to spend. Like, I feel like it's easier to make those sales on lower value cards, like cheap cards like that, where people are just taking a flyer on a guy who's on their fantasy team. Like it happens. Like people are going to start sending offers on eBay for these guys when they're looking for them. So we get to wide receivers. Number one's pretty obvious, right? Justin Jefferson. Who do you think number two is? This is a guy with some, some cheap cards. I'll give you a hint. Uh, not Hill? too great. No, not too great of a year last year. I guess they're assuming that, it, or I should say, just because of injury, they're assuming a full bounce back. All right, just tell me who it is. Cooper Cup. Oh, Cooper Cup. Oh, yes, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have guessed. His that. stuff is cheap, like cheap, cheap, right? So it's like I think about these guys. It's like, and I'm not saying they're going to have good years or even hold into the season. It's like fantasy drafts haven't happened yet. I think after they happen, it's like, all right, like Mark Andrews is the number two tight end. Mark Andrews cards are so cheap. Like that's like even like Jonathan Taylor struggled last year, but he's a fourth ranked running back, right? He's going to be a top 10 pick in every single fantasy draft. That's like Jonathan Taylor cards are dirt cheap right now. Like to that's me, true. That's... And remember, remember when, when he kind of like led the league in rushing, they were not cheap. And everyone um, wanted them, remember? Like, people were really asking yes. for Jonathan Taylor cards. People really – like, when got young, like, like, skill position players like that are going off, 
people ask about them. Like if they're really, really going off, like people will ask about their cards. It's like, and I think a lot of the reason is like, dude, if you went killing it in fantasy, because this dude, Jonathan Taylor, this young running back is getting you like 40 points every week. And then you go to a card show and you see some of his cards. That's like probably the stuff you're going to want to buy. Right. Yeah, and, cool. and I think, and I think fantasy football is like so much more popular than people even realize me personally, I'm not a big fantasy football guy. Honestly, I recently turned down an invitation to a fantasy football league with some longtime friends. I turned it down. I said, no, thank you. She's not my thing. But Dimes, Dimes was born an old man. He like no video <laughs> games, no fantasy football. He was born a 65 year old man just <laughs> reading the paper. <laughs> but I, I, I turned it down. And but I think so many and even like guys are in the league who don't know, who don't give jack about sports, like some guys who I never thought are sports guys. I say they're in the league. Yeah, they love. Oh, man, they, they're glued to the TV on Sunday. He's glued to the TV on Sunday. I know that guy. He but better chances. He's That's, watching a play, dog show. If you play, but they play right. So they like it. It brings people to football, but yeah. it brings people to specific players as well. It's like this true. dude who wasn't really into it. Oh, now he's a huge Jonathan Taylor. He just bought a Jonathan Taylor jersey off NFLshop.com. He couldn't tell you where Jonathan Taylor went to college, but now he's got his jersey, and now he's at the Brother You Love card show with his buddy, and he's going table to table asking for one player, Jonathan Taylor. Well, like, I, I feel like – Oh, God, God, God. And no, but I feel like obviously I'm giving a very ridiculous example, but it's like I feel like situations like that do – like there are people who fall in love with fantasy football, love fantasy football, that running back whose cards are dirt cheap because they're a running back, that guy's scoring a lot of points for them, carrying their team. He's their superhero because people get so into fantasy, it can like change the mood of their whole week somehow. I don't know, but it's the truth. People get really, really into it. So they will like fall in love with these guys who are winning them these big matchups. And I think when their cards are so cheap, now like it, it, don't go out and be like Josh Allen's the number one ranked quarterback in fantasy. Like I'm going to, no, Josh Allen's base rookie cards are still like a, a couple hundred bucks, especially for prism, it's probably like four hundred bucks. Like, there's not the 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 room there, right? It's not like I'm the next Daniel people. Jones, you know. Like, that's the that's the move because Daniel Jones probably uh, he went up a lot. His cards a year ago were definitely in a different stratosphere than they are now. Yeah, what were you gonna jump in there with? Oh no, I was. I think this is a good segue into like what's been hot right now, and I noticed like you know baseball is kind of like starting. So you're seeing, like, I thought at the Brother Love show, I, I heard a lot of people asking for um, Rushman and Stott, uh, Bryson Stott, like, because he's on this huge uh, hitting streak and he's batting 400, um, boom. And people are just re- generally interested in, like, the best Phillies, um, which is kind of cool. But I think that plays right to your point of, like, you know, that once they're in the season – like, you know, that's like, like the, whoever is the, the storyline, whoever has that big, those big couple stat totals week one, two, three, four, you know, that be, they become the story. And then that's what drives the hobby and taking a flyer on some guys now that aren't like peak demand, you know, like they're not Mahomes coming off the Super Bowl. They're, you know, maybe coming off an injury or coming off 
a bad perception year and grabbing something rare, um, I you know, I like it. I like I think it's a good play. It's low risk and usually during the season you'll find a good exit point for and a good week to move that. Especially guys like Jonathan Taylor who are like obviously are gonna have more good fantasy weeks to come. I and I think so. And when you think about as much as I like love base or as much as I wish people love baseball more, it's like the the reality is like football is so popular now. It's like baseball, yeah, it used to be the game, but it's like football is so popular. Like so many people care about it. I think a lot of it has to do with fantasy football, you know, and gambling in general. More people gamble on football, obviously, than baseball. Um so, it, but it's, I think the difference there is extreme where it's like when these guys go off, their market really moves, but you're right. There were people asking uh, for some Phillies guys. I mean, a lot of people asking for local guys, you know, it's interesting. You don't hear like, I, I understand they lost the Super Bowl, but like Jalen Hurts chatter is like really down at shows. Like it was mm-hmm. really hot. Like it's not like he played a bad game. He had a great Super Bowl. He played amazing. He just got that insane deal. He's, Sounds like he's going to be like Eagle for life, like the face of the franchise. But maybe it's I'm just because it's off. Is it because it's off season? I don't know. Why are people all of a sudden forgetting? I think it's just bored. Like it's 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 like the furthest point. We're at like one of the furthest points from football. Like you know, the last few months. So it'll ramp up. I think people will be into Hurts again. I've noticed like people like the higher end buyers are still pretty actively picking up his like NTs and big stuff. And like, so I think, I think he'll be fine. Um, yeah. Uh, one thing I wanted to call out too, like hot players um, making moves in the hobby dimes. Uh, this is his, one of his predictions was the Aaron Fox um, who's now up two Oh on the Warriors. I actually put my whole betting account on the Warriors winning the game two. Um, I wasn't a lot of money, but it was like, but it was still the whole account. I was like, you know what? I'm going to make my back a couple of losses. Let me put the whole account on the Warriors money line. They're not going to lose. It's a good idea. And uh, just lost, you know, what are you going to do? But yeah, like the Kings have surprised me. Fox has had great games. Um, You know, like I, I think you nailed it with that. And if they win this series, he kind of might. And you see this happen, like cement himself at a new level, right? Like I think, which is the key, not just to spike. Anybody can spike for a week, but if you can like sustain now a new level of your card prices, I mean, that's actually truly leveling up for his collectors. Um, So yeah, what do you think about Fox and, you know, uh, props to you for calling that. Yeah, I called it. I wish I would have bought more of it. I do have a few. Um, but yeah, I, I just saw it as he was just way too cheap and way too good. I think Malik Monk is a true ball. I'm actually sad. I, I used to have a lot of Malik Monk stuff. I don't anymore. I actually sold it for a profit at the time. But um, I think he is legit. I think it's awesome to see them together again. You know, it's like crazy how this like came full circle from that 2017 draft. Like there was so much hype around that 2017 draft at the time with Fultz and the Sixers trade and Tatum and Lonzo and Jonathan Isaac was like kind of a freak question mark prospect. And it, it, like a weird guy, it, it was, you had a lot of interesting stuff going on that year. And I think there was a lot of attention around it. It was like those two Kentucky guys and are the Sixers going to make the trade to try to get both, you know, um, I think that was it. It's interesting that 
that's happening. I, I like Fox a lot. Listen, he's a 2017 rookie. There's not much of his stuff. I am not selling yet because I think he's still underpriced. Like, I still think he's drastically underpriced. Like, I saw his silvers have moved up to what? Like, 250, 300. Imagine he beats the freaking Warriors and goes to the second round, right? Imagine they, like, they're up 2 on the Warriors. They look great. What if they really make, like, a run run, like Western Conference Finals run, and he's dominating? Where does that put him in the league? It's like, he's doing that. Luke is at home sitting on a couch. Luca's got a hundred million more rookies than him and he sells for 10,000 times. You know, it, it's like puts in it. It's like, do results really matter? Like he's playing in Sacramento, but he's delivering serious results. He's dominating in the playoffs against the former champs. Well, Luca, Luca dominated in the playoffs just last year. So it's not he's like he hasn't couch. done this, but yeah, but just last year he dominated in the playoffs where Fox has never done it until this year. So I don't think that really argument holds a ton of water. Uh, but I think – and also Luca has better stats since he's entered the league. Well, I think the um, – I, I agree. I think the Fox can reach a new level, and they can definitely win the series. Do I think they can beat the Suns? No. But if the Clippers can beat the Suns and then Paul George doesn't come back or something, I don't know. Maybe, 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 the, maybe the Kings can do it, um, which is kind of a good reason to hold them, like you said. Uh, now, I think if I think I'm sure there's a certain value point for you where you you just start to you just move them, but um, you know I, I, we'll see how I, we'll see when that comes. Um, if he starts to get like I think he's just at level like maybe four out of ten in terms of hype at this point. Like there's a little bit of hype for him. Um, but there's definitely like he's not in mania phase yet where people are like, you know, selling off everything they have. Mickey Mantles for De'Aaron Fox. We're not we're not at that point yet. So uh, we'll see. We'll see if we get there and then we'll see some real growth. Yeah, I just it's it's crazy to me that he hasn't had even more of a jump. But I I, I don't know how deep they're really going to go. I mean, I think. It's, I just I'm afraid of the Celtics in the East. Like they look great against the Hawks in uh, Game One. I mean, really unsaid. Like, sure the Sixers look good, they don't look as good as the Celtics. I don't know. It, Celtics are so deep. They have so many guys. They can beat you so many ways. Tatum and Brown are so good. Derek White somehow is now balling. Like, what is going on? What do you think? Are, how are you feeling about the East and the West? Yeah, I think. Uh... I mean, I think the Sixers look good. I think um, – I don't know, man. I think you got to see the teams play. How can the Celtics handle Embiid? Like, does he dominate and does he just give them a ton of trouble and we're not really accounting for that? Um, you know, you you want to see. I, I, I think the Sixers have a puncher's chance, which is all, as a fan, you could really hope for. And I'm excited for that at least. I don't – feel overly confident that they're going to go to the finals though just because that they'd have to beat both the Bucks and and the Celtics at this point assuming Giannis comes back healthy and like I don't know do I really want to bet on am I betting on that to happen and then they go to the finals and win I feel like that's a lot that's a tall order um but Maxi impressed me uh, I kind of felt sad that I moved that NTRPA but I was like damn man 33 he looked really good Maybe I shouldn't have moved that, but um, 
Yeah, I still have his goal, but it's okay. Uh, yeah. But anyway, yeah, I like in terms of like my prediction, like I don't think I'm changing it. I still think KD, the Suns are coming out of the the West, um, even though they lost Game One. Uh, I'll still take them, and I, you know, like I don't know, I I I I'll just stick with my current like the Bucks, but I kind of want to just go Homer and say the Sixers, but I don't. I'll I'll, I'll stick with my original prediction, the Bucks. But I, I'm heavily rooting for the Sixers, and they're gonna do it. They're gonna break my heart because I'm gonna get increasingly optimistic until until they until they ruin it uh, for me in the end. But like B-ball Pauls looked awesome, and all these bench guys have looked awesome. It's just like, can they keep doing it? Can they do it on the road? We'll see. So here's an interesting. We should uh, end with this here. This is so tracking the Embiid silver ten. So you you're feeling a little more confident about the Sixers. At the end of this, you're, I'm going to have you predict what you think an Embiid Silver 10 will sell for if he can lead them to a finals win. But here's how it's done. So he really obviously becomes a superstar. Like, um, I guess, 2017, 2018, you see Silver start to run. They're at like 600 bucks. This is 2018, though, still early. 2019, kind of hanging around the same bit. You know, as the boom comes, you know, mid-2020, they're up. July 2020, they go up to 2100. Sixers end up losing in the bubble that year. Pretty disappointingly, they go down. Then late 2020, October 2020, after the bubble season, they're down to 800 bucks. So they went from 1,000 to 800. Then he balls out that next year. They're climbing, they're climbing. Uh, March 2021, they hit 5,700. So they go from 600 to 1,000 to 800 to 5,700. Then they just kind of slowly go down where they hit like 1900 late 2021. Then early 2022, when he was dominating late last season, they're at like 2500. Then they're coming all the way down. Then this season, you could have bought them for 700 bucks again in January. They were 700 bucks in January. One just sold for 1600. They win the finals. Where does it go? And he'll probably have the MVP, too. Yep, um, I think he'll get both. So let's say he's MVP and finals MVP. He plays great. City's hero. He gives a great speech after the game talking about the city of Philly. They've seen him growing up. He missed two years. They stuck with him. He gives that whole thing. He is Philly now. What is it selling for? I think he reaches that that like local, not, not the all-time high, of course, but like that like 2,500 threshold. Um, not a ton more than that instantly. I think he, he, you know, one season probably won't change it no matter what, but I will say he's a, then he's the lock hall of famer. He's a lock, almost all timer, uh, at that point, if he gets that done, um, the MVP alone kind of puts him in this like trajectory to make the hall. And then, um, basically the the championship is everything in the basketball man you got to do it so i think if he does that like his hobby legacy he can break out of that like center mold a little bit and just kind of go into like superstar mold um i bet you his autos and stuff will go up even more like some of that stuff like is so cheap his on some of his rookie on card autos being like 250 300 bucks um, just seem crazy cheap to me. Um, so yeah, yeah, that is cheap. I mean, you know, the pop on it popped eighty one on the ten. That is wow, 
crazy. Maybe so I'm under. Maybe cap, maybe it could bro. hit an all-time high. What I does think, the Jokic PSA 10 silver do? I mean, that's, a, that's the question. Yeah, let's see. I want to say... Jokic silver 10, they do like 2,500. That's what the last one did. But they peaked it kind of around that same time, March 2021. They hit 6K. So they pretty much peaked where the Embiid did. The pop is 141. So it's almost double what the Embiid is in terms of pop. And it's interesting. Like in 2017, the Jokic, you could have got for 200 bucks. Wow. And he was a good, he was playing well. But, you know, not near. I would say, now. yeah, that's crazy. I would say, yeah, like, I think if MB does it with the pop being half, you'd expect that to sell for more than the Jokic, you know, like exceed 25, go up to 3K or something, or just go go above the Jokic um, if he wins a fight. Like, you would think his perception would be better than Jokic if he actually won the finals. And then he'd also have an MVP as well. So he'd just be one MVP short of him. But I think the finals and the finals MVP in that situation, I think holds some more weight than the MVP, you know, especially sure. with imagine like that would really solidify and beat there. I think, I don't know. I think, yeah, it probably hits. I think it goes above three. I think it gets close to four. Even I won't even send us on this tangent, but like Harden also ton to gain uh his cards being like a 20th of Steph Curry but like you know like in accolades and in all of the other individual stats he's like a lot closer of a player than that so uh you know it's kind of interesting there I think I think Harden with a ring like goes he's a completely different guy and a completely different uh perception to him so um interesting to see if the Sixers can do it big hobby basketball implications um, but yeah, been a great episode, Dimes. Uh, thanks to everybody that's listened, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Adios.